0: And you create a compelling narrative which draws people in and gets them to choose you. You can't choose them. They have to choose you.
1: Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Marcotte. Welcome
2: to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Jeremy Marcotte, and I'm here with Matt Rouse. Say hi, Matt. Hello. Hey, today we have a special guest, Ryan Hanley with Rogue Risk Insurance Agency. Hi, Ryan. How are you? It's good to be here, guys. Hey, it's good to have you. So I'm going to ask the simple question. Who are you and what do you do?
0: (sighs) Jeez, I didn't. That doesn't seem like a very simple question. Did I hit you with a Uh, hardball right off the (laughs) the (laughs) bat? I have been many things. I'd say today I'm now a two times founder. Uh, I own two different businesses. But I'd say day to day, I'm probably a marketer and a salesman, first and foremost. Well, that makes
2: sense, because your original claim to fame was uh, growing your business through posting common customer questions, right? On video. So can you explain to us a little bit about that and maybe how that would work?
0: Yeah. So I was a terrible insurance salesman back in 2000. I started selling insurance in 2006 and I was really, really bad at it. I sold the traditional way, you know, I mean? driving around, dropping business cards off, cold calling people, going to network events, all that kind of stuff. Gross. And I was very Yeah. Well, it doesn't not work. It just can't be the only thing you do today. Right. It just, yeah. it it can't be, but done right. And in the right way. And I think Uh, strategically, there's value in those things, if done very strategically. But back in 2006, 2007 and 2008, this was how you did it still like the internet, most people still believe the internet was a fad at that point. And certainly in the insurance industry, people did. So I was terrible at that. And at one point I worked for my father-in-law. My father-in-law owned the agency I used to work for. And he actually sat me down and almost let me go. And it is a very (laughs) special experience to be almost fired by your father-in-law. So that was, let's just say that that put a a bee in my bonnet or whatever the saying is. I I got my juices flowing a little bit. I needed to figure out what the heck I was going to do. So- you know, I just had been reading a lot online and I had been starting to blog a little bit at that time. And I just said, man, I need to jumpstart my efforts. Like I need to really get some traction, going. like I had some traction. The blogs were driving some people in. I was getting a couple of phone calls. Like that was cool. Uh, and I just said, I need to take this to the next level. And YouTube at that point, this is like 2008, 2009, 2010. Yeah, that's YouTube, brand new YouTube. Yeah, but, but and YouTube was starting to become more than just this place that you posted cat cab videos, there was nothing. I mean, today, what I did would seem like remedial. But in, but back then there was nobody out there like Gary Vaynerchuk wasn't even doing what he was doing when I was doing this stuff. I just well, I didn't have the foresight to keep doing it and have somebody follow around and film me. But so, so what I did was I said, OK, I'm going to use video because YouTube announced that you could embed videos on your website. This was like a brand new feature, the ability to take it off, pluck the video off and pop it on your website. So what I did was during the entire month of December, 2011, I asked every single customer that I came in contact with, if you could have one insurance question answered. There's no silly questions, no stupid, nothing's too big, nothing's too small. Just what's the first question that comes to your mind about insurance? I wrote all those down, and then uh, I had a list of like 140-something of them. I pared that down to 100 just to make it clean. And starting on January 2nd, which was the first Monday in January of 2012, I just started answering one of those questions every day, two minutes or less, posting it to YouTube, taking the YouTube video, embedding it on our website. So I would have like a optimized YouTube version and an optimized blog version. And I did that every single day for a 100 days in a row. And it changed the course of my life.
3: Once you get kind of you first started getting some kind of traction on your blog first, you start getting some calls and you're like, well, hey, maybe there is something to putting information out there. Maybe somebody is looking for what I have to offer. Right. Yeah. And then you kind of step it up the next level. And then You know, what kind of uptick in your business did
0: you get after posting those? The videos? Yeah, the videos. Jesus. Well, I went from almost being fired to not being fired anymore. (laughs) Uh, During those 100 days, I made $5,169. That's pretty close to what the number was in revenue to me. So the agency would make double that because I got 50% of everything I sold. So just people referencing those videos During those 100 days, I made five grand, which for me at that time in my sales career was a big number. Now I made other money too, but I'm talking just those videos. Since that time, the agency, I mean, now we're talking almost seven years, but since that time, the agency has made Over $300,000 just from those videos, you know, and we could get as nerdy as you want. But one of the lessons that I learned from that is you really have no idea which piece of content is going to be the piece of content that takes your business to the next level. So the most, the most valuable, most important video I've ever made in my entire life. This is the title. This is going to blow your mind. What is New York State short term disability? That's the name of the video. It's one minute and 32 seconds explaining an obscure business insurance coverage that is mandatory in New York State that costs about $44 a year per female employee and $19 a year per male employee. So you're talking tiny little premiums, but making that video has has made us hundreds of thousands of dollars. And here's how. And I promise this story has a point, but uh, here's how this this video made us all that money. So I do the 100 days thing. And about six months after that, one of the primary carriers, I think it was Zurich Insurance, decides to non-renew that line of business. It wasn't a profitable line of business for them. So they basically send out to thousands of business owners in the state of New York, thank you for your business. We are no longer gonna offer this coverage. And as of your renewal date, you'll need to find a new provider. And there's nothing wrong with them doing that. It's a bonanza for me. Because one thing that people do when they get a non-renewal letter in the mail is they go to the Google machine and they type in, what the heck is New York State short-term disability? Because no one, most people didn't even know they had this coverage. So who do you think the only person in the history of the world to answer that question was? It was me. Nailed it. So now I am just getting inundated with phone calls. I mean, phone call after phone call. And then how we made our money is not through just that policy. We backdoored into entire accounts, large accounts in some cases, because people had this very small policy, had a problem. They called us with the problem. We solved that problem for them. And then as a value added resource, We worked into their entire account, rewrote entire accounts and made, you know, like I said, six figures in income to the business from that.
3: Right. So eventually after doing this and then you had done some more content marketing stuff online also. And then why don't you tell us how you got to I've got your book here in my hand because you crowdfunded it. And I was I bought it during your crowdfunding campaign. Nice. So I have the hardcover. Nice. (laughs) Fancy. Exclusive. I um, mean, we can talk about it more later, also about the crowdfunding side. But so you and Marcus Sheridan used to have a show on Blab. The hot seat. The hot seat, right?
0: Show Blab is an
3: old interview platform that's not around anymore, which makes me sad still.
0: Yeah. Well, Google's, we should all be mad at Google for messing up Google Plus and Google Hangouts because that was that's the right. best platform. They had and, uh, so much potential. It was the best. It yeah, was the what absolute they did best. Is,
3: they were trying to turn it into Facebook and instead they should have been trying to turn it into LinkedIn. That's where they went wrong. If they had said, we want to get every
0: business owner in the world on this platform, they would have made a killing. They should have just let it be what it was. It was becoming LinkedIn. It was going to put LinkedIn out of business. If they, It didn't need to become anything. There were certain points where it was the perfect version of exactly what it was and they just kept messing with it. And it yes, was, it's like they didn't understand their own platform. No, they didn't understand what they had. They were chasing something that no one wanted them to build. The things already existed. Right. We didn't need another Twitter. We didn't need another Facebook. We already had those things. We wanted something different. I think it, people who use the internet market, people were looking for something different. Google plus was that different thing and the hangouts and the integrations and how it worked into YouTube. I mean, there was so, so, there was so, so much beauty to it and, uh, and they just destroyed it, which is a nice case study on what not um, to do? Well, I think allowing, I think there is. I was actually just talking to somebody about this in building an agency for my own podcast. And uh, we were talking about how a lot of agency owners have a belief structure in the way things should be done. And they will hammer their way through creating that business, not based on data, not based on feedback from customers, but on the way they believe a business should be built. And what we were discussing was, That is not how you like we've so much access to data today that we need to be listening and watching and reacting and responding and testing versus just, I believe things should be done this way and pushing forward, because I feel like that's how you get in trouble. And uh, Google Plus is a good case study for that.
3: Right. And, you know, modern kind of Facebook and Instagram is a good, you know, when it comes to businesses is a good case study for that also, where they're just businesses are still stuck in information they were given three, four years ago saying I need to be posted on Facebook every day and I got to be posting on Instagram every day and I got to go do this and I got to go do that. And I'm like, nobody's seeing any of the stuff that you're posting. And some of your videos that you answered, what, 10 years ago now, right? Or more, they're still on YouTube, right? Oh, they're definitely they're still on YouTube. they still, still in business.
0: Oh, it drives me crazy right, in a positive way. So my wife has since bought into and is slowly... Uh, with her sister buying the agency from my father-in-law, so I still very much am involved from the outside, helping them. and And obviously, I want her to be successful. And I want the agency business. They write accounts every week, every week, multiple accounts. In some cases, dozens of accounts on videos that I did in 2012, 2013 with the five megapixel Android Pro that it took me an hour and a half to upload a one minute video to the internet. Oh no. Like, like this is this is, and if you see them. They look grainy and dark and upshots and the sound is terrible. And but the information is rock solid. They're well optimized and they've been there forever. And these we're talking insurance videos with 20,000, 30,000 views in some cases. It's such a testament to, you know, where people are like,
3: Well, I want to put out content, but I got to get my lights done. I got to get lighting. I got to buy a new camera. I got to get some video editing software. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then they never do it, right? Yeah. Because there's always one more excuse of why the video is not going to look nice enough. Yeah. Right. Instead of the information that you have is valuable to the people who need it and you should be putting it out immediately. Like the best time to make your
0: content is 10 years ago, right? And it's just like the best time to plant a tree. There's an authenticity factor, too, where right. if you're if you're Apple, you don't get to put out a shaky, grainy, poor sounding video because that's not authentic to who you are. You're the right. you know, you know, what is it? It's the second highest value company in the world. And you don't get to do that. But if you're, you know, Joe's crab shack. Well, that's an actual business, but, if you're, you, actual know, <laughs> you know, Johnny's lobster thing in Maine. People don't want to see that. They want to see, you know, give me you because that's authentic to you. So so authenticity is a very malleable idea. It doesn't just mean grainy, raw and shaky. It means true to what the style of your business. And I think it actually you really need a range. So with the Murray Group, with Rogue, with all insurance agencies, which is obviously the area that I know best, there's a range. You want to have some nice Studio ish style videos that that really portray the professionalism. And then you want to have some stuff where you're walking down the street just sharing an idea because you just got done with a with an appointment and they asked you a question that you thought was important to share with everybody. And that range of video, all of it has value. And I think that's the part that people miss is like all they want to do is the studio quality stuff. And the truth is your studio quality stuff, you're most likely going to have to, advertise and boost and whatever to get people to watch. And the stuff where you're just walking down the street, talking, sharing with a few ums and ahs or whatever, and car horns in the back, people are might, are probably going to spend more time with that. A lot of it too is, man, there's alphas, betas, and omegas, and you just can't make an omega become an alpha. Like it's just not going to happen. Like some people talk a talk and never do the work. That idea bothered me for a long time because I always thought, well, if I just give them the right piece of information, if I show them the right five step process, they'll do it. And what I've come to realize is, you know, not in like I don't want to be super hyperbolic here, but like there is a Darwin esque reality to the fact that super nice people can't get out of their own way and kind of deserve to be pushed aside because they don't want to take the steps and you can only show them the path so many times. And then it's like, I have to move on to someone who's willing to put in the work. And I, I, and I, and you know, that sounds very Machiavellian and I don't mean it to be quite, quite so apocalyptic, but like, I just feel like for people like you guys, for for myself who try to help so many people, there is a certain point at which you just have to say, do it or don't do it. Like, I can't, I can't make you do it. And, right, lead the uh, horse to water. Yeah. Man, we come up against that wall
3: a lot. Daily. Uh, d- Daily. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we do. It's yeah. like, you know what? I, I don't know how many times I've had the conversation just kind of in the last year or so that I'm like, we have this. If you want it, it's here. If you don't want it, then don't take it. Like, Yeah. We can help you make more money or you can go try and figure it out yourself. That's it, right? I mean, there's not much more more to what we do. I mean, there's a lot of complex things to what we do, but that is stuff that no business owner is going to learn, right? And so it's, you can take it so far yourself, right? And I mean, you spend a lot of time working on content, inbound traffic sourcing, and you know, all the, all the kind of things that you can do for marketing, but I mean, your average business owner who's already has their business running is it does not have time to do all of the things that an agency could do. Right. And so we're like, if you're
0: ready, we're yeah. here.
3: If you're not, then not. But we can here's, how would sort of it.
0: here's how I was sort it here's that way conversation. Right. So there's two there's two paths here. So how I got good at inbound marketing and content creation was a very long time of putting out really shitty stuff. And a superpower of mine is I have no problems hitting publish on something, right? Like I'll hit publish on it imperfections, whatever. I learn the next time there's slightly there's some small improvement in in bad problems with that piece of content. And over time, the bar for what I can create, you know, soup fast and effectively has improved. But I've been doing this for almost a decade and a half. So, you can take that path or you can hire someone like you guys and take all those 15 years and turn it into the 15 minutes it takes for you to sign the contract and write the check. And that's really the question is sure you can do it yourself absolutely positively. And I encourage everyone to try, but understand that your content is going to be terrible It's not going to connect. You're not going to understand how to write copy, script write. You're not going to understand how to persuade, how to properly position yourself, how to properly position yourself visually and all the stuff that comes just with content creating, not necessarily the technicalities to operating a true campaign. You're not going to understand any of that. Your stuff's not going to work. You're going to waste a ton of money. You're going to get frustrated. You can go that path if you're going to say to yourself, I'm going to take five years and learn how to do this. But if you think you're going to learn it in five weeks, you're out of your mind. The flip side of that is pay somebody like you guys to come in, get it done, make sure it's done right, and leverage your expertise to have rapid improvements in your business. And that's the value proposition. There's no, I'm going to figure it out because it's going to not work unless your timeline is super long. I mean, that's really what it is. It's how big is your timeline? And we help people on, you know, who are just starting
3: out and stuff like that, just like you do? Insurance agents have been watching you online for, you know, like you said, like a decade, right? I don't listen to all of your stuff that you put out and I don't read all your newsletters, but if there's something that interests me in it, I'll go read it, right? Or I'll go listen to it. And I'm not an insurance, right? But there's also, and this is sort of a little bit of a sidetrack, but I find amazing value in listening to industry podcasts that are not in my industry. Yeah, so I listen to a lot of real estate podcasts, insurance, some legal ones, you know, I, the, obviously some marketing and branding, some
0: sales stuff. Did you happen to listen to the episode I did with Anne Hanley?
3: Uh, I don't think I
0: did. Actually. Oh, dude, Let me think. She was epic. Epic. If. I had Anne Hanley on another one that I listened to cause she was on the marketing book podcast. Yeah. She's so good. If you can get her on a show, she's, she's so good. I don't, I don't even know how I, you know how I got to her. I got and and she's incredible. She's sweetheart. She's super busy. I got to her because I got Tamson Webster, Tamson Webster referred me to Nancy Duarte. And then Nancy Duarte, you know, I had like Daisy. Ch- I always ask guests for referrals to other guests and and Nancy and Tamson were tremendous too. But like, Ann Hanley, anyone who's listening, she's the three of us mashed up, she's better than than that. She's she's awesome. She was wow. she was one of the most fun and introspective and dynamic guests I've ever had. And we were cold. We went cold. We had never right. spoken before. And the very first time we ever spoke was the minute the podcast went on. And it was uh it was fun. That's
1: a good one. And now a quick break. Digital Marketing Masters will be right back. Are you ready to stop grinding and start making an impact? Are you tired of working long hours and not growing your business? Get Matt's new book, Flattening the Hamster Wheel, on Amazon now. Just go to hookto.us slash hamster. That's H-O-O-K-T-O dot U-S forward slash H-A-M-S-T-E-R. We've talked a lot about different
2: platforms and different marketing and stuff like that. What platforms do you use now in trying to grow your business or helping grow your business?
0: Yeah. So for the kind of speaking side of my life, industry side, I use LinkedIn. And so people know I founded an insurance agency, Rogue Risk. As of the recording of this, we're about two weeks from launching. So I'm not actually selling insurance today. There's like a lot of legal requirements you have to get through, which is just part of the process. So I'm, I'll am i be there in about two weeks and, and we'll be launching. But um, for Rogue, once we go live, LinkedIn will be a big part of that, too, because commercial lines is going to be an enormous part of our agency. But LinkedIn has been out of this world. I mean, just a tremendous resource. And then I use Facebook a lot because there's a lot of people there still. The same tactics don't work. Groups personal feeds, you know, a lot of commenting, stuff like that. Like there's some different stuff. Ads are obviously still work really well there. So, so Facebook is probably another big one. You know, that's probably Instagram. I'm like, man, right now, like a, about a year ago, it was awesome. Take a dive. The feed, the way the feed is, I feel like it's really weird. Like, I feel like I don't see anybody, but the people I do see, I'll see like seven of their posts in a row. And it's just odd. Like, it's just, the feed has become not valuable. Like it just don't enjoy the scroll anymore. I'm not seeing the things that I was, that I used to see and I haven't connected to that many more people. It's really weird. Yeah. But the story functionality is still cool. I get that, but it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, and Twitter is always, I've been, Twitter's like a dirty pleasure. So I've, I'm always on Twitter.
3: Twitter's a dumpster fire, but sometimes you can find a few people on it that you want to connect with. So just hashtag
0: awesome. Yang gang. If you want a lot of likes, you just blow your feet right up with likes, Yang gang. <laughs> well, not to get political, but we'll keep this at a marketing function. I think Andrew Yang, so Obama did social media better than anybody. There were many factors other than social media, but you have to give him credit for how he did it. He had one of the best landing pages ever, that email capture landing page with his face, and it was just that. And, you know, I mean, that was really good technical marketing. And then he's the first one that really drove non-list buying. So like opt-in level email newsletter stuff. Like he's the first presidential candidate to really do that, right? Before they would just buy lists and blast people with spam. He actually cultivated a list and kept people going. It was awesome. So he was the one that really did that. Then there's Trump who, you know, (laughs) take his politics out of it. He uses social media brilliantly. You can't deny that, I, you know, politics aside, I'm not I, I'm not this is not a political statement in any way. If you were to remove his face and his name and just put blurry face, random yeah. name, candidate the X, the technical usage to do the things that he needs to do to get elected and now reelected. It is almost flawless. And, and again, you can think it's amazing or you can hate him for it. The technical usage is, is almost flawless. Then you have the Yang gang. And what I like about the Yang gang. So one, I kind of just like Andrew Yang. Like he just seems like a really good guy. He also seems like a problem solver, which I really like. Again, not trying to get political, but just I like the fact that he seems to look at something and you can tell he's trying to solve the problem. He's not just trying to give you the answer that he thinks you want to hear, which I like. I like that about him. But the way that he has cultivated that community is really better, I think. Certainly better than Trump because Trump doesn't cultivate a community he's doing it a different way. And Obama did it a different way. I think Andrew Yang is a top three social media, digital marketing, presidential candidate we've ever seen. I think you have to put Obama, Trump one and two, and then Yang is number three. And, you know, you have him being so good, this like Yang blackout thing. And, you know, just the way he's using hashtags and the way he does the random videos and he goes off script and he talks about stuff that has nothing to do with politics. He goes on shows like Eric Weinstein's The Portal, which is probably the best podcast on the Internet right now is The Portal by Eric Weinstein. And he goes on that show, which probably doesn't help him politically in any way. Like that's that's an audience that's a provocative audience. But he goes there and he's natural and he's honest. And, you know, again, whether you believe in his politics or not, his usage of community building and social media is is a case study for me. It's epic. Well, he's following the Gary V model. Yeah. Right.
3: Very closely. Yeah.
2: And I don't, I don't know, Jerry, him. have you
3: seen any of Yang's stuff on your social
2: media? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't follow him personally, but the last night of the debates where he wasn't in it, he did a daily show FaceTime and just talked about random crap for five to ten minutes And it was entertaining, like you said. And no politics were brought into it at all. And it's not something you'd normally see from a candidate at this point in the whole election cycle. You know, a lot of them are like, no, this is what I'm, this is my platform. Let's talk about my platform. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Let's talk and get my face out there. So people know I'm a human.
0: He's selling where I think the rest. So again, this is going to sound politically charged. I don't mean it to be, you can apply this to sports teams or whatever, right? Like Most of the people who are still up on that stage, they're just placating to whatever their base, you know, they're looking at a spreadsheet, say this thing, because that's what your base wants to hear. And then then they're either clever, they're not clever about it. And they go at it and they pound these topics over and over and over again. That's why we have the current president we have, because everyone hates that. Oh, my God. And what Yang is selling is so different. He's just selling the fact that he's a good guy. Like, hey, I'm a good guy. You want to elect a good guy? Like, I'm a good guy. That's what I mean. And whether you believe it again, whether you believe it or not, whether that's what you're willing to vote for or not, that's that's not the point. He's selling something completely different than the other candidates. And I think what's interesting about that one, I absolutely positively believe that there's a media blackout against him. I absolutely believe it. I think it's because he's really difficult to plug in. And I think he is a real legitimate dark horse contender who is not polling in traditional polls. And I think the fact that he's selling something so different just scares the establishment. And I think it's incredibly interesting. I, whether he wins or not, I have no idea, but I just, I think it's just as a case study, it's so interesting to watch him just pop open Twitter and hammer out a Twitter video, boom, go on with his life. And you're like, Oh, that was kind of funny. Plus, his campaign manager is an enormous Buffalo Bills uh, fan. Bills Mafia, <laughs> go Bills. So it's hard for It's me. always <laughs> back
3: to the sports ball.
0: Yeah, I'm <laughs>
3: just kidding.
0: So here's talking about
3: not being in politics and how we're not talking about politics. I'm on the uh, Beaverton Chamber of Commerce panel for the second time of how to survive the election as a business in 2020. And oh
2: God, that shirt.
3: We talk about, like as a business, should you or should you not talk about politics? I mean, that's basically the question that we're answering for business owners. And how do you respond to questions about those kinds of things? And there's varying opinions on that. But my opinion is pretty straightforward. It's if politics is not part of your business, or your customers are almost entirely of one political viewpoint, then you should talk about politics. Otherwise, you shouldn't talk about it. Just say you're not going to talk about it. Like, Uh, I've had people say it's inauthentic, right, to not talk about your politics. But you shouldn't be going on the Internet as a business. Burger King shouldn't be on and being like, well, we're only going to serve burgers to liberals this week. You know, like it's completely not their place to say that. It would be amazing
0: if they did, though.
3: I mean, yeah, it would be bad, but it depends on how you look at it, right? It also probably wouldn't be great because... You know, they, they lose like... Seven Classic
0: or liberals right? or modern liberals? Yeah, they're like,
3: which kind of liberal is it? But so when you look at the social media marketing, if you look at the actual paid social media advertising, Trump's campaign murdered the Hillary Clinton campaign. Like they just crushed them on advertising. So a study just came out where they were analyzing just Facebook and Instagram, and Hillary Clinton's average CPM was a dollar six, so it cost them a dollar and six cents to reach a thousand people, which is really good, honestly, even at that time at Facebook, that was still a quarter of the average. But Donald Trump's was five cents. So for every dollar he's spending, which he spent more, I believe, four or five times more, and he was reaching 20 times more people per dollar spent.
2: Right, so, because people I mean, if you don't do realize that, math, that. Go ahead. Yeah, that's a lot. I was gonna say people don't realize that even if they're sharing an article because they disagree with it. Like, can you believe what this guy said? The reach on that is phenomenal, and all Facebook sees is, "Hey, this guy's getting likes, and people are sharing and commenting." So that CPM is going to plummet.
3: Well, and most of their ads weren't even about either candidate right? They were mostly about like an opinion of the world or fake news about something or hyping up a subject that would talk to their base, right? And they're like, you know, well, we need to change because of all this government corruption. So you better vote for my guy, right? That advertising got spread and they got zillions of dollars for it. And it didn't help that there was dark money and stuff that was out there being pushed into Facebook on both sides. And a lot of times, It was the same outside forces pushing money onto both sides of the campaign to basically try and polarize people because the polarization apparently is good for them. I don't know how, honestly. I'm not an international international agent or
0: anything, but I think they were just looking for turmoil. But yeah, I don't know anything about the, you know, the Russians or whatever. Here's my my opinion on politics in, in business. I personally try to stay away from it. I struggle sometimes on Twitter just because I just the craziness gets to me. But I I have a political stance. It tends to be fairly close to the middle. But if you were to watch everything I did, you'd probably have a decent feel for where I come out. That being said, I actually think if all you care about is making money, the best thing to do is to take a very polarized stance one way or the other. That's all that matters to you then take a very polarized stance on one side or the other, go Elizabeth Warren or Bernie or go Trump and go super hard one way or the other, right? Just super well, that absolutely super hard works too. Right? right. And that's not what I would do. And it's not what I will do, but if what you can, cause what's going to happen is you're going to take half the people and they'll never do business with you. And the other half, will hold you up as a savior and will do business with you. And half of the people will most likely be enough to make sure that you have plenty of income and your business thrives. That's one way to go. The problem is you will most likely also be offending half of the people in your community if you're going to be that polarizing. So as long as you're okay with that, which I think most people aren't because I think the vast majority of our country sits pretty much like a standard one standard deviation away from the middle, you know one way or the other. I think that's where 90% of the country is, you know, just the loudest people are out on the edges. but it, that's the way I would go if that's all that matters to you. I think for everyone else, you know I don't think it's necessary. I think you do what you want, understand there are repercussions. I think there's ways to support abundance and positivity. And empathy on both sides of the aisle. I think most of, if you support your community, I, there's no one who doesn't want to help people, right? And whether you're right or left or new progressives or old progressives or classic liberals or neo postmodern liberals or whoever the hell you are, I think for the most part, we all want most of the same stuff. And I think you can comment in ways that support that if you have to. But God's honest truth is, if all you care about get is getting making money for your business, then just be bananas on one side or the other, and you'll make plenty of cash.
3: Yeah, and I mean, we actually talked about that on the podcast. We had a local realtor in Portland here, Lauren Goche, on, and she is a hundred percent super progressive liberal. She will not work with anyone who isn't. I, you know, she does well, and she's she's very. So one thing that we spoke about, and I think you'll hundred percent agree with this.
0: Despite that being a very fascist mentality,
3: well, I think you'll agree with this part though. Is that when people dabble in it a little bit in their media, what happens is they're only kind of going part way there. So you either got to go like all in on it, or you got to be like, "I'm just not going to talk about it," kind of thing, right? But if you kind of sort of do it, like you're like, "Hey, I'm not trying to be political," but I think Bernie can suck it or whatever, right? You know, like you can't sort of
0: half do it, right? You can't say, I'm just going to leave this here and post some propaganda, right? Like Like all things, man, like when you hit, when your fingers touch the keyboard, there should be a purpose, whether you're writing an email, a tweet, a text, a novel, there should be a purpose. If someone posts something very pro Bernie and you're very anti Bernie for whatever reason, what is the point of writing that comment? Is it necessary? Are you adding value to the equation by saying you're wrong and I'm right? Because I think Bernie, what Bernie's really doing by giving free college to everyone is really just supporting the top third of our country since the bottom two thirds couldn't go to college in the first place. So it's an absolutely ludicrous idea. Maybe or maybe not. I feel that way personally. But my point is like, are you adding value with that comment? Are you going to change that person's mind? Like, what are you doing by putting <laughs> yeah. that out into
3: the world? Like, no nobody's way- going to change anybody's mind yeah. arguing on
0: Facebook. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah. I guess my point is like, you're literally just wasting brain space by doing that. It's it's not even the political side of it. You're wasting brain space by spending time on that. Have your views. That's great. You know, over beers or scotch or. Seltzer, whatever it is, you want to discuss it with friends in a safe space. Have at it, but in in social media, to to positive, productive, abundance things, and the more people that are willing to commit to that, these platforms will start to turn around. The problem is we all bitch about the negativity, yet we add as much negativity to the platform as we complain about. Just remove yourself from the negativity. How they make money? So there's there's actually like a there's a mental chemical
3: response that you get when you see something that angers you and you want to point it out and then you get like a dopamine reward for pointing it out to someone and that ticks off their serotonin and they go i gotta post something and then they post it and they get a dopamine response and that goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until they call each other hitler you know just like godwin's law any conversation on the internet that goes long enough will eventually have someone call the other one hitler you know what that law came from like the 80s like, that guy found that out when pre-internet as we know it, like, back when it was just a forum on the internet,
0: you know, and you had to have a modem to dial in. Do you think it will always be Hitler, or do you think eventually it'll be Putin?
2: You know, I don't know. I mean, I think... I think Putin's missing the mass genocide thing. Is he? So, it's hard
3: to
0: say. So far? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you gotta have, like, there's always a figurehead for that, right? Yeah, you know? no. It's At this point... At this point, the sad thing for me when I see someone call someone else Hitler online, which I to be honest with you, I stay out of. I don't even look at mo- once I see the top of a post, you know, you know where it's go. I literally just scroll on. I I don't get involved. But, you know, occasionally you do see it. Twitter's tougher cuz sometimes like you catch things that you don't mean to catch. I just think to myself, like, if you're saying that you literally you have such a lack of understanding for what actually happened during World War Two and what, mm-hmm. what the people of that generation had to go through that, like, you should be ashamed. of. It. And even if the other person deserves to be called a bad name, I just feel like that shows a complete like everything that you are putting on that person is being reflected back on you with that comment. Like you are not getting away from that comment scot-free. You are not the pure heart when you're writing that in social media. And that's the part, you know, something that we've all heard that I firmly believe is if you argue with idiots, who's the idiot? That's something I tell myself all the time because I get negativity. I have beliefs on things, mostly not politics, but like in the insurance industry, I get negative feedback for some of my ideas. Like it's crazy. I get insurance hate and You know, like my wife will look at me and she'll be like, you don't need to respond to that. And I have learned my lesson at this point. But at other times in my life, I literally have to say to myself out loud, don't argue with idiots because you can't tell who the idiot is. And I think that is a good life lesson for the interweb.
3: Yeah, 100 percent. Well, you know, it reminds me of when people call each other Hitler is kids on the playground who are like, blah, blah, blah on you. the other one's like, no, you times infinity. Right? It's like, then they're like, no, you times infinity plus one. Then they're 50, and they're like, no, you're Hitler. No, you're Hitler.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's just silliness.
3: Everybody's Hitler. <laughs> you know, I guess eventually, if you have enough arguments on the internet, eventually everyone is Hitler because sooner or later, yeah. everybody's going to get called Hitler. Yeah. It just kind of makes it lose its value. You know, it's a fantastic, I shouldn't say fantastic, but probably one of the scariest shows I've ever seen was this mini-series. I think there's like six parts to it. It was called The Rise of Hitler, I believe. And it was pre-World like World War Two. what happened. It was fairly accurate. It's not 100% accurate, but it was you scary mean, shit.
0: I mean, when the United States was funding some of his campaign efforts because yeah, he was rising as a progressive.
3: Yeah, he's, he was a rising star. And, you know, he's just like some guy who couldn't get into art school, you know? like <laughs> Just like... Out of nowhere, right? And it just came out of nowhere and just like slowly you see how these movements kind of grow. Yeah, it's scary shit. And, you know, talking about growing movements, that's one thing that when you're talking about like the Yang gang, he's definitely on the community building side, but I think he started too late because it takes a long time to build community online. And even though he's doing a good job at it, I think that he's definitely behind the eight ball. He's going to need some more tactics if he wants to
0: get anywhere. If he can get through Iowa, here's what I think is going to happen. I think he is going to obliterate Biden and Bernie. And I think he'll go head to head with Warren because there are still people that believe that she knows what she's talking about. And I think the reason he's being held down is because in the secret polls that they don't run on TV, he's killing the game because those polls on TV are ludicrous, if anyone actually believes them. So- because all Pretty these much polls- everything on TV is yeah, I mean <laughs> this is fiction. I mean if you watch if you watch Fox, MSNBC, this is fiction. This is not reality. So I think what's actually happening is on the ground. Dude driving around upstate New York, I see Yang Gang things all over the place. I don't see any other candidate posters on front lawns. I see only Yang Gang. The dude is on the streets. People are talking about and thinking about him. And I think what scares. The Democratic Party, it's probably obvious at this point, out of all the candidates, he's probably my favorite. I would love to see a Yang Tulsi Gabbard ticket. That's just. That could be interesting. I think I. Now people are going to actually disagree and dislike me. But like, (laughs) if I were a Democrat and all I cared about was beating Donald Trump, if I were a Democrat and all I cared about was beating Donald Trump, I think Yang Tulsi Gabbard is the only ticket that can beat him. I think that's the only ticket that can beat him. That's my personal opinion. That's the ticket that can beat him because can't come after Yang for for not having business sense. Yang has just as much business sense and can come at him on everything. I think that Yang's UBI thing is questionable, but it's solid and it gets the socialists what they want. So they'll come over and vote for him. And then you got Gabbard with the military thing. That's a really tough ticket to be. I mean, they lack experience, but that's a tough ticket to be. Okay, whatever. So
3: it um, is. It is a tough <laughs> ticket to beat. But uh, honestly, I I know, the, as we're talking, as we're not talking about politics.
0: Yeah, I think on the streets. <laughs> I think on the streets, Yang is doing very, very well, and the reason that he's being blacked out is because in the silent polls, he's actually polling much higher than they're comfortable with. And I think he's got. I think if he keeps pushing, he's got a real chance. He's got to make it through Iowa, and New Hampshire. I know he's much more entrenched in New Hampshire than he is in Iowa right now, but it will be interesting, man. I, I find this stuff just interesting. I don't, the politics don't matter because like Clinton didn't change my life. Bush didn't change my life. Obama didn't change my life. Trump hasn't changed my life. And whoever the next president is, isn't going to really change my life personally. Small little iterations. Yes. But like for the most part in that, in time span, everyone's life has gotten better. And, you know, if you take that whole life, that whole thing over Democrats. So in general, I think the country is doing better. I don't really care who the next president is so much as as long as it's not a socialist. But I do think from a marketing, messaging, copywriting, tactical standpoint, these presidential campaigns are just enthralling. They just grab you. It's like watching a opera. Yeah, it's
3: super interesting to see what they're doing. Yeah, I also like to see the, like how the copywriting is done on them. They they spend a lot of time and money on copy. Some of them, and them that's do. something Some that don't. most. Well, I would say for the most part they do. I don't know, know that like,
0: Biden spends very much yeah, time well, his messaging his.
3: Biden life. definitely. Somebody needs to like tell him to listen to his copywriter. Because, well, someone just
0: needs to show him the doors.
3: what yeah, you could you can see the difference between <laughs> something that was written for him and something that he said. Yeah, right? like you can immediately tell. You can be like somebody wrote this for you because you sound smart. Yeah, it's obvious. Because when you open your mouth, you fuck up every single thing that you say.
2: And everything he says is when I ran or when I was with Obama,
0: who hasn't <laughs> who hasn't endorsed him and doesn't even really like him. I mean, I don't know how he's still there. Get him out. Let Warren and Bernie beat beat each other up. They're the only ones, you know, outside of Yang, they're the only two that have a shot because none of the others have a real shot. I don't think Mayor Pete and all those, there's just too many, there's too many skeletons, but like to me, Warren and Bernie have an outside shot. Maybe Yang I think has a legit shot because I think people in the middle can swing towards him. I think he's supportable. He feels like the future You know what I mean? Especially if you have this Hawaiian military woman as a VP coming in, like she's kind of tough. I don't agree with everything she says, but she seems cool. To me, that seems like the kind of messaging that a committed Democratic Party could get behind and actually make a push at Trump. The other two seem like, you know, business as usual. So I just don't know how you copy that. I don't know how you build a campaign, a marketing campaign around the other two that moves the people in the middle towards them.
3: You know, if you are just well, thinking- that's the problem, right? Is everybody wants to support their person that they made all the contacts and friends and everything with, and what they need to do is do something completely different. We just had an interview on Friday with Chris and Tiffany Larson. One of them runs a runs a print magazine about real estate, which is no one runs print magazines anymore, right? And the other one runs a real estate group, and what they did is they just did the opposite of what everybody in their business was doing, and they're wildly successful, right? Because they're different. They're noticeable. If you're in a market nowadays, right, just like the Seth Godin says, right? When if you are fitting in in the marketplace, you're invisible. And these other candidates and stuff in in the political arena, to me, they're invisible. Like I hear them talking. It's just blah, blah, blah. Same shit that I heard 30 years ago. Right. And not only that, I heard it 30 years ago in Canada. Like it was the same in other countries. They're like, blah, blah, blah. This is what you want to hear. Jobs, 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 blah, 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 blah. We're going to reduce the deficit and go, no, dude, fuck off. You're not going to do any of that, right? All you're doing is somebody did some polling and said, what do you care about? And then they took the list of the things they cared about the most and handed that to a speechwriter. And the speechwriter plagiarized it from the last 50 candidates. And then they use that and then they stick it on a teleprompter and they put some makeup on them and they go, well, I'm going to improve jobs and lower the deficit and you're just like, shut the fuck up. It's a job. Like, it's killing it's a, me, man. It's a
0: job. That's what people just have say to remember. Say something different for once. You this know? isn't This isn't George Washington having to be convinced to take the presidency. This is a job. This is an interview. This is an extended job interview for the most prestigious position in the career path that you've chosen which is politics. It's like you, if you got the chief marketing officer role at HubSpot, maybe you don't want that. But you know, the idea is like there is maybe a natural ascension to like being the chief marketing officer of Apple or Amazon or you know what I mean that's like the mo- it's a job interview. That's what this is. A, these are people vying for a job. They're not there because they you know they feel compelled to save the country. That's nonsense. It's not true. It hasn't been true for a hundred years in our country. Maybe since Teddy Roosevelt or maybe FDR. you know, but I, probably everyone since then, even the good ones, this is a job. And, and and I think if you can look at it as someone interviewing for a job, we can remove some of the craziness and just start to dissect. Like, who are they? They seem like a decent person. And do they have the story, narrative, and marketing chops to build a community around that message that propels them into that position? Because that's all it is. Like, do and you almost have- all of them the answer is no. Yeah. And <laughs> if you compare- Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Hillary and Trump were the case study, right? She thought she had it in the bag. She had a very uncompelling argument and she didn't make that argument in a way that brought people in. And even if she would have been a better president, I'm not debating that. Yes, no, whatever. It doesn't matter. She did not present her argument away. And the same thing is true for your business. So take this all the way back to where we began. When you have a business, you have to present that business in a compelling way. Every piece of content is a job interview. Do you, potential customer, want to hire me as your person for the thing that I do, whether I'm selling cupcakes or marketing services or insurance? And you have to create a compelling narrative. You have to be able to show people that you care, that you're real, and give them a reason, an emotional reason for for choosing you versus someone else. We've talked about politics a lot. I did not expect to go there. I think it's been super interesting. (laughs) I love it. From the standpoint of, dissecting this concept, which applies to absolutely everything, which is, can you create a compelling narrative which draws people in and gets them to choose you? You can't choose them. They have to choose you. And uh, that can only be done through marketing.
3: Absolutely, 100%. I agree. And also, you know, you've got to be talking about something that other people are not talking about it or in a way that they're not talking about it. And this is an example that that feeds right into what you're talking about, what you're saying, which is, I talk to a lot of insurance people, I talk to a lot of real estate agents, I talk to a lot of mortgage people, and nine times out of ten, when I ask them what makes you different, they all say exactly the same thing. They say, I have personal service, I have the best customer service, I'm going to make sure you get taken care of. I'm like, that's the barrier to entry. That's not marketing. That's, you have to be doing those things already, and that's what everybody else is saying. And it kind of goes back to that old like Ogilvy on advertising thing where Coors ad account, he said, well, drink Coors because it's cold filtered when every single beer made in the world at the time was cold filtered. But nobody else was saying that. So as long as you're saying something that other people aren't saying, then you're building that compelling reason for them to actually give
2: you that chance to then win their business. Right. I think it's saying something that's also true. That other people aren't saying. Oh yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> so with that, I, I think that pretty much hits the nail on the head. The one thing that people can do is do it differently. Make it their own, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm paraphrasing, of course. But if there is one other thing that you could tell small business owners do
0: this to help you, what would that be? Hit publish more often right? Just hit publish more often. And what's going to happen is you're going to naturally learn what works and what doesn't work. I think that's one thing. I'm sure there's like a million things. The politics discussion's got my mind spinning. Them. It's <laughs> fun. Not going to lie. I'm going to do some research. Well,
3: Ryan, I've got your book here. Uh, if people want to get your book, it's called Content Warfare. I
0: assume you can get it on uh, your website, right? Yeah. Can put it yep. in the show notes. Go to ryanhanley.com and get it or just type Content Warfare into Amazon. That works too. I have a podcast which mostly talks about insurance-related stuff, but every once in a while I have really cool guests on from outside the industry, like Ann Hanley, Nancy Duarte, some of the others. This is the most I've talked about politics on a podcast. (laughs)
3: Right In our podcast where every episode we tell people not to talk about politics. And then uh, then, uh, uh, people are going to be buying. High five.
0: Here's what people should do. If you can figure out what my political persuasion is, buy my book and burn it, but just buy more copies of it. That's right, because the
3: (laughs) frequency that something gets purchased online increases
0: the amount of search rank you have for that thing. 100%, 100%. So if if you enjoy my political perspective, buy it and read it, even though it has nothing to do with politics. And if you disagree with my political position, buy it and throw it in the garbage or burn it or poop on it. Either way, um, whatever you should just buy it.
3: It's like the people burning (laughs) their Nikes. Exactly. Then they gotta go buy more shoes. Then They gotta go buy more shoes. It's like people do this stuff. Yeah, we're gonna boycott a place, and then everybody talking about the boycott makes the place busier. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, all right, now
2: let's, Ryan.
0: We should wrap it up. Yeah, this has been, guys. This has been great. I hope people saw through. I just, I just wanted. I do want to say this because I. Even though it doesn't sound like it, you know, I do try to avoid politics. Uh, I hope I hope people what, what people saw was I was trying to take the candidates from their narrative and marketing perspectives, their ability to to craft narratives and sell those narratives to potential voters. I think that construct, if you can if you can work through some of the veiled political stances, then I'm sure. I'm sure you can extract at least a small amount of value out of our hour together. Well, you could, you could Definitely. separate
3: the meaning and the message from the way that they've delivered it and the tactics that they're using.
0: Yeah, exactly. There you go.
3: Well, thanks
2: for having All us. right, Ryan. Thanks for being here, man. We'll talk to you again soon, hopefully. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Ryan.
1: Be good. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt Rouse and Jeremy Markoff. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Next week, Shane Barker introduces us to a new world of marketing with micro-influencer marketing.